DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory, presents The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World, with Father Mauritius Fildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Europe. He is author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with a Little Prince, The New Image of God's Image, Meister Eckhart on Image and Theology, Peter and Paul, Models of Decision-Making, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius also serves as prior of Christ the King Abbey in Schuyler, Nebraska. The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Fildi. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Mauritius, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Help me to understand, if you would, how monks can be missionaries. You may wonder if this goes together, being a monk and being a missionary. Because being a monk means stay at home, stay in your cloister, in your enclosure. Don't go out. Don't leave. Whereas missionaries, they go out and preach and evangelize. So we may wonder how this goes together. And here is the astonishing thing. As long as there have been monks, they always have been missionaries in the whole history. Over 1,500 years. Actually, some of the best and effective missionaries have been monks. Hmm. And this goes back to St. Benedict himself. We read in his biography, written by Gregory the Great in chapter 8, Benedict built a chapel of St. John that was on the Mount of Monte Cassino and by continual preaching converted many of the people thereabout. So here we see that even Benedict was preaching in the neighborhood, at least, of the monastery. He was already evangelizing. A monastery understands itself as a ecclesiola, which is a little church, a mini-church. So a monastery kind of mirrors what's going on and what's happening with the whole, with the entire church, with the universal church. And one dimension of the church is church has always been missionary. You cannot be a Christian without being missionaries. That means monks as well have to be missionaries. This is just one aspect of our being. We cannot hold this back. To name a few examples, St. Columba. St. Boniface, Boniface, the apostle of the Germans, he was a monk. He was an English monk. And he brought the faith to Germany. Even before that was Kilian, he was an Irish monk who brought the faith to Franconia, which is a part of Germany. Think about the Middle Ages, the Cistercians. They were spreading their network of monasteries all over Europe and by expanding, they were evangelizing from French 
up to Poland. In the 19th century, this dimension of monastic life was rediscovered, for example by Andreas Amrain, who was the founder of the missionary Benedictines, to which congregation our monastery belongs. His idea was again to be monks and missionaries at the same time, and he sent his monks to Africa. And think about this country, St. Vincent Abbey in Pennsylvania, Conception Abbey in Missouri, and many other abbeys. Certainly they were founded to serve the immigrants that were living in this area, but they were also founded to evangelize around the monastery. When we have a closer look on how the monks are evangelizing, this might help all of us to at least get another idea, an additional idea of what evangelization could mean today for all of us. Because, as you said, it's a little bit strange. How can monks do evangelization? What is, how do they do it differently? What is the clue when they evangelize? First of all, we have this vow of stability. What does this mean? The monks vow to stay. Not just mentally or on the same website, virtually. They want to stay locally. They want to stay at one place, at one location. What kind of effect does this have on the people? It communicates you, people, are worth that we are staying. We have experienced this very often in different parts of the world as Benedictines. Other orders, I don't mention names now, other orders just enter cities, go somewhere, evangelize, and after they have done a big project, they leave, which is okay. Benedictines mostly go into rural areas, into the countryside, other than other orders. It's very typical for Benedictines to be in the countryside. One reason is this is the better place to pray, because we need these remote places in order to have our peace to pray. But there we stay. And how important is it for people that they know there is a monastery, there, there are people who pray for us, um, they stay with us. I'm not sure if I have shared this story with you already, um, but after the Berlin Wall broke down, many orders and Christians went to former eastern Germany and started evangelizing. But after they haven't been too successful, they left. Only the Benedictines, only the monks and the nuns, they stayed. And I remember a gentleman who was an atheist. Most of the people in eastern Germany are atheists. Um, he said, after this big change, after the Berlin Wall broke down, all these business came, the banks and business and the churches as well, 
all these religious. Sure, everybody kind of wanted to make his business in our area. And you monks and nuns are the only one who stayed, who really stayed with us, even when the business was not, was not so successful anymore. What I want to say is, it is a big witness just to stay. Stay. Because by staying, you, you tell the people, God loves you. He stays with you too. He won't move on. <laughs> He will stay with you. It's faithfulness, isn't it? Not only to God, but to those, your brothers and sisters around you. Yes, right. It's faithfulness. Because you can preach about the faith, be, do it so very effectively, but it's almost like being in a family that if, if, if it splinters and divides, the young of that family are often confused. It's very damaging, and it doesn't help relationship. But if it can stay, even in tough times, yes. and I'm being very general here in this description, but I mean in those very tough times, that, that makes a statement, doesn't it? Yes, that is true. So the, the role of parents and grandparents can be to be those rocks who just stay so people and their, their children, grandchildren can come This kind of faithfulness mirrors God's faithfulness to us. Think about the monks of Thibarin. I'm sure you have heard about them. These wonderful monks in Algeria who lost, uh, who gave their life for Christ. The reason why they gave their life was they stayed. They lived in a Muslim country. They went along pretty well with the Muslims and the Muslims with them. The Muslims said that was before the fu fundamentalistic time, the Islamic time, uh, before the extre extremists came. The Muslims said, please, you Christians, you monks, please stay. We like you. We like it that you pray. We like, they had a doctor. We like that you serve us. So they asked Very interesting. The Muslims asked the Christians to stay because they kind of guessed that it was good for them. And then the community decided to stay in this country and they put themselves at risk by doing that and finally they, they were kidnapped and killed. So what a strong witness. Just by staying, they became martyrs. We'll return in just a moment to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World, with Father Mauritius Vildi. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today.
The St. Benedict Center, an oasis of peace in the midst of Nebraska's corn and bean fields, is a nonprofit ecumenical retreat and conference center founded by the missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory. As Benedictines, they share their hospitality and spirituality with those who search for personal and spiritual growth. They welcome individuals and groups of all Christian denominations as they seek God in a peaceful and quiet setting. They provide an atmosphere that is conducive to prayer, rest, and renewal for laity, clergy, and religious. The facility sits on 160 acres of farmland across the road from Christ the King Priory in Schuyler, Nebraska. They offer a place of retreat for seekers of God and for people who are tired of living in a noisy world and want to be alone in order to listen to the Lord. They invite individuals for private and directed retreats. They offer retreat programs that help to get in touch with the mystery of God within each person and in all reality. And they give guidance toward a healthy and more authentic spirituality, but also toward better self-knowledge and toward coping with difficult human situations. For more information about the St. Benedict Center, call 402-352-8819, or you can find them online at stbenedictcenter.com. We now return to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Vildi. How important is it for the, the missionary monk then when they go into the culture to evangelize the faith and yet respect and get to know the culture in which they've entered? I mean, there's, there is that, that very important dynamic, isn't it? Um, bringing something new, but also respecting what is there. That is true. And here we come to the specifics of how monks are missionaries. They are missionaries through their presence, through their being. They not so much want to change people. Just by being and staying and not hiding how they live, they can already change the people. But they are not invasive. They are not um, impending, no, imposing. They are not imposing their way of life on others because they cannot, they cannot uh, ask them to become monks as well. Not not everybody can can be can be a monk. So the 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 gift of Presence. The missionaries more witness, give witness to Christ by their being than by acting. And that goes together with hospitality. They are open for everybody to come. Think about John, first uh, chapter, 39th verse. When the two disciples heard Jesus say this, they followed him. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So interesting, people want to know, where do you stay? Where do you live? This is how we are missionaries. We want to make people ask, how do you live? 
And then we answer, like Jesus, come and see. It's very easy. We don't uh, want you to be converted right away or whatever. Just come and see. This is the missionary aspect of presence. This is mi being missionaries through presence. Pope Francis has reiterated uh, over and over again the importance of respecting cultural differences. How difficult is it for the monk who will venture into territories that may seem so different than what culturally he has experienced in the past to find that balance between, again, I, I go back to that, respecting the culture but also the struggle within that may be saying what this culture believes or is practicing at this moment is something that kind of violates what I hold dear. Mm -hmm. The first address of their missionary effort is the monks themselves. They want to convert themselves. The monks work on building up a culture, a Christian culture, within their own monastery and enclosure. So our way is to work on our culture. And that makes us a little bit more relaxed towards the cultures of others. First of all, we know how difficult it is to establish a good and healthy and Christian culture. So we don't make down right away the cultures of others. Then we, secondly, we discover how different the confreres, the brothers are. Each is so different. So we have to learn with our own, within our own family to respect each other. Otherwise, we cannot survive in a monastery. You are so close together. You have to respect the other. You cannot change him anyway. You can only invite him to change And we can create an environment that helps everybody to move closer to God and to Christ. So by having a very distinct culture ourselves, and this is what I'm talking all the time here in these interviews, the counter-cultural elements of Benedictine life, we try to work on our culture, and this in itself is already a challenge to the culture of, of our society, I think. We don't have to do much just being there, And people start asking, why are you doing that? That's enough. And I think this is a very appropriate way to be missionaries today because people don't like anymore if you go out, knock on their door, yell at them, Christ loves you. <laughs> This is mm -hmm. over. People want to be listened to, to be invited. They want to have their freedom being respected Their culture, even if this culture is not really helpful, they still want to be want to have this respect. And this brings me to another point. As you know, the first word of the rule of Saint Benedict is "Listen, my son." So the monks tr are tr uh, are trained to listen. This is our practice every day. Listen to the word of God. Listen to Christ who could encounter you in the brother through the brother. So this is a very good way to do missionary work. Listen first before you speak. Listen first. 
see if there is something good in the way how the, how the other lives. And first appreciate that. Listen what the real needs are of the people. And not right away impose your thoughts, your doctrine, your whatever ideals and way of life on those people. Listen. And then they will tell you what kind of word they need. They will let you know and let you feel how God can be brought to them. It's a more receptive way to be missionary, but I think it's, it's a very um, up-to-date way nowadays. Are there other aspects to the monk as a missionary? Mm -hmm. I would like to mention two other aspects. One is missionaries are successful if they don't have much luggage. This is what St. Paul recommends us. You remember St. Paul's asceticism. You know, he was free of everything. A missionary has to be free. If you have a lot of carry-ons with you, you are not flexible enough and you don't are able to listen. So the monk, with this very simple way of life, we don't have much possession, many possessions, we try to live very simple, this gives us a great basis to be missionaries. Part of it, by the way, is celibacy. Paul was celibate, so if you are bound to a family, certainly if you have responsibilities, you are not so free. Let's put it like this very carefully because a family can be a great witness nowadays and wonderful missionaries. But as a celibate uh, man or woman, you are very uh, um, free to reach out to wherever the Spirit calls you. When we have too much carry-ons and luggage, then we are tempted to show off with this stuff. We want to impress people. If we don't have much with us, we can just bring our heart. We are kind of naked, vulnerable, and only trust the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't take not even a second pair of sandals This is what Jesus said when he sent out his disciples. Don't take anything on your way. The reason is don't shield yourself with possessions. Don't try to protect yourself. The Holy Spirit will protect you. Be as open and as simple as possible and then the Holy Spirit can speak through you. Another aspect of the monastic way of being missionaries is We do missionary work as a community. Jesus recommends us to go out two by two. This is, he sent two by two. He, he mm -hmm. didn't send uh, single people. He knew it is important to be missionaries as a community. Why is this so important? First of all, you prevent yourself that your ego takes over. When you are the only evangelizer, when you have your fan club, there's the danger that people don't see Christ anymore, but just you. When you go with a brother, and there are two of you, or with a sister, then 
you preach differently because your brother knows you <laughs> and you know your brother. This is kind of, you correct yourself by having a brother with you. This is one reason to go as a community. The second reason is you can support each other. It's so, how can I say, it's a big thing nowadays to evangelize and to be missionaries. It's not easy. You need a lot of courage, a lot of courage. It's so good to have somebody with you who also preaches, who also gives witness. And then you can, can come back home to your community, to your monastic community, and you can get new energy there and consolation if you weren't successful. So a, a community that backs you up is so important. Maybe a last point. The monks practice silence. And the word can only be heard if it comes out of silence. Think about how Jesus preached. How Jesus preached the gospel. He always retired to remote places, pray to his father, and then coming from the silence, started again his activity as a preacher. I think if we are just professional preachers, preach, preach, preach all the time, we can go astray. The good thing with the monks is that as monks we practice the silence, so we are, we correct ourselves time and again to just Be silent, listen to what God wants us to preach, that we don't preach ourselves, but Christ. Final thought, Father Mauritius? Yes. To go out and share God's love and his gospel, this has been, this has been the urgent appeal of Pope John Paul II, evangelization new evangelization. Then Benedict XVI came. What did he say? What did he emphasize? Evangelization. And now we have Pope Francis. What does he emphasize? Evangelization. So you may wonder, why do all these popes who are so different emphasize the very same thing? I guess because we haven't really realized and put into action what they wanted. We haven't done the job. Why should they repeat again and again the same thing? So let us pray that we all have the strength, the courage, and the joy to be evangelizers today. I think it's a A, a telling footnote to all of this, especially on the heels of what you just said, that in the Synod on the New Evangelization, which was held in October of 2012, the very last word was by Pope Benedict XVI, who essentially summed up all of the talk and all of the proceedings, and he said, ultimately, what the New Evangelization is, is a call for the church to be a listening church. And so here we are, we're brought back to St. Benedict and the Holy Rule that, I mean, it, it really does 
your missionaries of that listening church. It's really quite extraordinary, isn't it, Father Mauritius? Yeah, I see it the same way. Thank you. Mm, Thank you. You've been listening to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World with Father Mauritius Vildi. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. You can also hear it on the free Discerning Hearts app available on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi.